The Word of God for the sermon text, it comes from John chapter 15. It's on page 10 in the service folder, if you'd like to follow along there. The words are from Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. This is God's Word. This morning, let's begin with a little market research. I'm going to test and see how well you've been watching TV. Are you ready? Here's the game. I'm going to put an insurance company up on the screen, and you're going to tell me their slogan. Ready? Set? Go. The first one is State Farm. All right. Did I see somebody smiling and humming out there, too, to themselves? You know that you hummed it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You hear it just about every two minutes on TV. Okay, the next one. Allstate. All right, yeah, the, the hands give it away. What is it? It is, you're in good hands. And I cannot say that as well as Dennis Haysbert with that dark, rich voice that he's got. But you hear that voice. All right, next one. American Family Insurance. This one's a little tricky. Ah, you're close. We've got you covered. It has to do with the roof. Maybe you hear the jingle, American Family Insurance, but that's not their slogan. Their slogan is all your protection under one roof, right? All your protection under one roof. And finally, nationwide. Chicken parm, you taste so good. All right, somebody got it. All right, my wife said nobody's going to get that. Peyton Manning played every five minutes during the Super Bowl. Nationwide is on your side. Why do I bring all these up this morning? Well, I'm getting a huge commission cut from every major billion-dollar company up there, I hope. No. I bring them up because look at all those slogans. What are these multi-billion-dollar companies promising you? Protection. They're selling you peace of mind, and they're uh, giving you security at the risk of your car, of your home, and your life. And they pour billions of dollars into their, into their slogan and into their business because they want you to know that if you're in a car accident, they're going to be there for you, and they're going to tell you everything's going to be okay. And they're going to be your advocate that goes to bat for you in that uh, deal. And if your house gets pelted with hail and there's a storm, they're going to be at your door the next morning and they want you to know that you're in good hands and that their agent is going to take care of all of the damage, get in contact with the uh, roofing company and get your house and life right back to where it was before the storm. And if in the tragic instance that you lose a loved one like a spouse, I've seen this before, a really good insurance company not only sends flowers, right, but they call, make sure that you're doing okay. And then they make sure that you're taken care of and that your mortgage, your grocery bills, your medical bills are all going to be paid. I wonder why all this money is being poured into this, these lower story needs that we have, right? Our car and our, our house and our, our physical life. But I wonder how much people think about their spiritual life being covered. Today we live in an increasingly secular society, I understand that. And people today are influenced by humanism more than ever. But do you know what? Although the numbers in church are down, people today claim that they are more spiritual than ever before. But how are they taking care of themselves spiritually? And how is that soul being 
taken care of? Is there an advocate and is there a counselor? Is there an insurance for the soul? Uh, The question is, and the question for us this morning is, what is your insurance for your soul and for your spirit? Jesus speaks about that in John chapter 15. And, he, and we ask these two questions. Do you have an agent that will cover you if you have destroyed and left scars in your life because of sin and mistakes? Is your soul and your spirit covered for that? Second question, is your soul and spirit covered so that you can stand up and speak about your faith boldly and confidently? And the answer that Jesus says is yes, you have a good neighbor. Yes, it's all a protection under one roof. And yes, you are protected in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who enters in and is your advocate. He's your counselor and he's your friend in every soul and spirit in, uh, instance. This is, the, this is the thought behind John chapter 15, and we read it just a second ago. The background, and we're going to get into the verses right now, um, is in John 15, Jesus is offering peace of mind to his disciples. Uh, the text actually doesn't happen on Pentecost Sunday like we're celebrating today. The text historically happens 53 days before that when Jesus is with his disciples on Monday, Thursday, the night before he died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins of all the world. And he's eaten this Passover meal with his disciples. After the meal, he actually spends most of the book of John talking about the comfort that he's going to give the disciples when he departs from them. And it's about to get really, really ugly with Jesus' life. He's about to be arrested And when he's arrested, his disciples, they're going to flee all but one. And they're going to hear from a distance the persecution happening to their leader, Jesus. They're going to hear the crucify him, crucify him from a distance. And some lock themselves behind doors. Why? Because of fear. They're fearful that their leader is being crucified and that they could be crucified after him. And so they're in need of a counselor. They're in need of care and they're in need of encouragement. And soon after Jesus dies and rises, he's going to ascend into heaven and then their earthly leader is going to be gone altogether. And so Jesus says, I want to leave you with an insurance policy. I want to leave you with the best spiritual insurance policy and that's my Holy Spirit. And that's what he says here when he says to comfort them, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, he says talking about himself, Jesus. That word advocate is the word paraclete in Greek. And no, a paraclete is not something that the ball players put on their feet and run around the bases path with. A paraclete in Greek is literally an advocate. That means an agent that goes to bat for you. A counselor who puts his arm around you and he says everything's going to be okay. A counselor that knows your weaknesses. A counselor that knows that you're broken and a counselor that can guide you and give you solutions. A paraclete in the Greek is a friend that you can trust. And Jesus says to his disciples in this moment of turmoil that's about to happen, you're going to have a friend with the Holy Spirit that's coming from God the Father. He's going to send it to you. And he would do that in a very real way at Pentecost. 53 days later, fast forward to the Pentecost. The disciples, it's kind of strange when you look at the story, but they see Jesus die or they hear about it, and then they see him raised from the dead. And all this time between him being raised from the dead and him ascended, the disciples have these moments and these spurts of faith. When they see Jesus, they see him maybe come to them behind locked doors. They're still fearful, and they, they have this great joy and this great faith. But then in other moments, uh, like Matthew 28, Jesus appears to them, and he gives them the great commission. And do you know what it says about some of them? Some of them doubted, even then. And so they're in this faith struggle. And Jesus knows that they need this Holy Spirit, that this Holy Spirit will give them the confidence to speak for their faith and to embrace their faith all the way through. 
And finally, it happens on Pentecost Sunday. They are there in um, they are there in this room in Jerusalem, just like Jesus says for them to be. And suddenly, you know the story, you heard the story, the Spirit comes on them. And these disciples that were once really timid and really weak and really scared, all of a sudden stand up. And Peter, out of all of those disciples, the Peter who was around that fire and denied Jesus three times, now he stands up in front of thousands of people. And you heard it from the video, they came from all over the world. And he tells them the truth. That's why it says what it says. The spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. Now Peter stands up and he tells the truth in Acts chapter 2 to at least 3,000 people. And he says the truth that the Jesus that came, that came was actually the Messiah. He told them the truth that they were the ones that put him to death because many of those people out there were the ones that were crying, crucify him, crucify him. He convicted them. And he said, you were the ones that put Jesus to death. And he told them the truth, that they were sinful. And you know what? Peter was convicted himself because who was the hypocrite up there? He was the one that had abandoned Jesus in the first place, but he knew the truth. And the Spirit brings the truth. A good friend, a good counselor, he's not going to say to you, hey, Dan, you look great today. But a real friend, he says, hey, Dan, your collar's up in the back and you've got ketchup on your chin right here, right? A good friend tells you the truth. And Peter was telling the truth to those people that day. But he also told them this other truth. When they were cut to the heart and they said, whoa, we've sinned. We haven't lived up to, we put Jesus to death and he was the Messiah. What did Peter say? He told them the truth. And when they said, what should we do? He said, believe. Believe that Jesus has forgiven you. His blood covers you. Even after you put him to death, he forgives you. And believe that when you're baptized, you have his life in place of yours. He told them the truth. Now, I'm no Peter, and I'm no Holy Spirit, but I have a tool that the Holy Spirit has given to his church right here, and it's called the Bible. The Holy Spirit says, this, this is what the Bible says. He says, this is the truth, and he says, this is the sword of the Spirit that's being used today. And so today, although I can't preach like Peter, like Peter and, I, and I had two baptisms today, but it says in Acts he had 3,000 baptisms that day. That would be awesome. The Spirit of truth speaks, and it speaks the truth to you and to me, too. In fact, it, it looks kind of like this. The Spirit of truth is like a mirror. And when we open up God's Word, and we read the words that He has on this page, that mirror, it can be pretty convicting, right? Because God's Word says this, Have you, have you been a Peter today? Have you followed God all that you can? Have you, have you reached out to all of your friends and neighbors? Do your friends and neighbors, your coworkers, do they even know that you're a Christian? Because Jesus has asked you to be his witness in the world, in his word. And you look at the mirror of God's word and you say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And you know what God says? Not you. <laughs> Not Pastor Dan. Not anybody in this room. Because if you look at what the Spirit says about the truth, none of us have lived up to any of God's expectations. And so looking in the mirror can be a pretty sad thing. And we'll want to put that mirror away, but we can't because God's Word says, be the person that I've called you to be and follow me with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. And if you've done that, well, then you can be in heaven with me. But let's be honest, you know, we're, none of us have followed God all the way, all the way through 24-7, 365. 
And that's where we go back to the Word. The Spirit speaks the truth, but He not just speaks the truth about our sin and about the law and about where we failed, but it also speaks the truth about Jesus and about how Jesus' blood has covered all of your sins. The Spirit cares about your relationship with Jesus, and that's why we have parents who care to bring their kids forth in baptism, because they want Jesus in their kid's life. And that's why the preacher, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, says what he says, that this water saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clean conscience towards God. You see, the Spirit starts your relationship with God through promises just like that. Through promises that say, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the, you say it, the Holy Spirit. He cares enough to start a relationship in your heart with God because he wants you to see that as broken as we are when we look in the mirror, that even greater than that is, is, the, is the cross of Christ. And I've heard it said by another preacher once, and I love this analogy, the Holy Spirit and how he works in his word and in our lives, his whole job is not to be the center of attention, but he's like the spotlight that's in the back and the spotlight that points everybody to the cross. No matter where you're from, no matter your background, no matter how many sins you've committed, he's the, the spotlight that gives all attention to Jesus, and he's the one that, 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 that creates that faith in your heart. And so I ask you, do you trust your counselor? Do you trust your friend, the Holy Spirit, that he wants you to have a relationship with Jesus in your heart as well? And I'm not just talking if you're an unbeliever listening to this and you're going to come to faith. I'm asking you if you're a believer that's been in the church your whole life, but is earnestly seeking to have a closer relationship with God and not just warming a pew. Because Jesus and his spirit cares about your relationship with him. And that's why we at Holy Word in this community are going to ask you to be in church. That's why we're going to ask you to, to remember your baptism, to, to, to be in small group Bible study, because those are the places that the spirit says that his word is at work, and we're going to trust his word to grow you and to grow your relationship closer to Jesus, because we all look in the mirror every day. Our parents hold us to expectations. We hold ourselves to expectations. And you know what? The only expectations that really matter are the ones that God has. And he's forgiven you if you've fallen short of those expectations. And he wants you to grow closer to Jesus so that you can walk with confidence, whether that's at school or at work or anywhere in your life. Jesus cares about your relationship and his spirit cares about your relationship with him. So stay around his word and cherish it. Hear those promises. And then he cares about something else. The words are already on the screen. Let's read these together. Verse 27. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says that, first of all, to his disciples, because his disciples have been with him from the beginning of his ministry. But he's asking all of us to think about the witness stand that he's put us on. Jesus would put Peter on that witness stand on Pentecost Sunday where he had a crowd of thousands of people, and that's an awesome witness stand. And this is coming true on Pentecost Sunday, but he's also put all of his other disciples, those other 11, on witness stands. They would go to places like Asia Minor. They would go to places maybe to the Far East. They would go, like the Apostle Paul we learned in Bible class today, was put on a witness stand to witness about the love of Christ and about the truth of the gospel in places like Thessalonica and Athens, and and great places. Jesus has put you on a witness stand, too. A witness stand is simply this. If you're in a court, the witness goes, and he or she doesn't make up a story. 
doesn't give his or her take on the whole court case, but what is the witness asked to do? Just to tell what he or she saw or experienced. And that's it. And so, do you trust the Holy Spirit, your advocate, your friend, your agent, to put you on a witness stand at home, in front of your family? Do you trust him to put you on a witness stand at work, in front of coworkers? Do you trust him to put you on a witness stand at school or on the bus or wherever you go? Because he's putting you there. It's interesting, um, this one scholar, he goes through the Bible and all the stories about Jesus. And he, he comes to the conclusion and he counts them up that Jesus had interactions that we know of in the Bible 132 times. 132 people that he interacted with. Six times he interacted with people at the temple, right? Four times he interacted with people at the synagogue, which would be like a local church for the Jewish people. Do you know how many, you know where the other 122 times he interacted with people was? It wasn't at the temple and it wasn't at the church. It was in their homes. It was in the streets and it was in the mainstream life 122 times. What do you think Jesus is showing us there? And that's not a prescriptive passage like you have to do this, but just descriptive. It shows us that Jesus was going to the streets, he was going into the homes, and he cared about people and witnessing to them outside of church. And so the second verse applies to you, but it doesn't just apply to you by sitting in a pew. It applies to you by going out into the world and sharing the truth with other people. You can trust the Holy Spirit to put you on a witness stand, whatever your witness stand is, wherever you are in life, and you can trust that the Holy Spirit has made you just the way that he wants you to be in Christ, with your personality, with your skill set, and with your gifts. This world today is full of so many different kinds of people. Just think about as many different kinds of people that you have in your relationships in life. There's rich, there's poor, there's educated, there's uneducated, there's different ethnicities, there are different political backgrounds, there's Democrat, there's Republican, there's Independent, and everywhere in between. There's different, uh, there's different assumptions about how life goes about every person, too, and how they think. And do you think that God has given you the gifts, or a gift in this world, to be similar to the, one of those types of people? And to relate to them and to bring the gospel, the life-saving gospel. Not backing down on the truth, but presenting that gospel to a diverse group of people. And do you think that God has brought us together as a congregation called Holy Word that has rich and poor and all sorts of different kind of people together to reach as many people as we can? Because the Holy Spirit says you must testify. This word must go out into the world because it's the life-saving gospel. Think about your witness stand, but second of all, think about your style. Just for a moment. Are you confrontational like Peter? Are you able to eloquently tell a group of people and a whole bunch of people, repent for your sins and be saved in Acts chapter 2? Are you more invitational like that woman at the well? Do you remember her in John chapter 4? Jesus talks to her about her sin and she's confronted by it and then she learns that Jesus is this water of life and what does she do? She runs back to the town this town where she was once known as this very loose lady, now she's going back and she's telling them, come and see, come and see, there's this Jesus, the Messiah to all of her neighbors. Is your style intellectual? Like in Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, 
he goes to Mars Hill and he starts talking with all the philosophers and he starts to challenge humanism and he starts to challenge their way of thinking with the gospel, with the truth of the gospel. Has God given you that gift? Is your style relational? Like in Mark chapter 5, Jesus drives out the demons from this man that's living in the tombs and he's crazy and the man has a sane mind and he goes back to his family and his friends and he tells them, that Jesus is here, the Messiah has come. Or is your style, is your style service? Like Dorcas, remember her in Acts? She makes all of these gifts, she sews, she puts together clothes for the whole community and makes an impact on a community, and she's bold about her faith when she does it. Whatever your style is and whatever mix that God has given you in your life, he's saying, I've given you exactly that style and I've given you exactly that relationship with other people and I put you on that witness stand, not to be quiet with it, but to be my witness. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, what words do I say? Am I going to say the right things or am I going to say the wrong things? Well, believe that your advocate, your counselor, and your friend put you there for a reason that when you open your mouth and you speak truth and love to anybody, that he's there. And he's going to hold you up and he's going to work in their hearts. It's really less about me and it's more about trusting the Spirit going to work in their hearts. He's put you on the witness stand and he's given you the gifts that you need. So open your mouths and share the gospel with them. Do you have an insurance agent that covers all of your sins? Do you have an insurance agent that's honest with you and he says it's broken? Yeah, you do. You can trust your advocate, your counselor, the Holy Spirit. Do you have an internal agent that gives you Jesus? Yes, you do. It's right here, and it's in your Christian community. So feed on it. Go to it every week, every day. And do you have an insurance agent eternally that opens your mouth, puts you on the stand, and gives you exactly the same gifts that you need to reach a diverse, diverse world with the life-saving gospel? Yes, you do. You're in good hands. It's all under one roof. Trust your counselor because your counselor cares. Amen.